I was blind, now I'm seeing in color. I was dead, now I'm living forever. I had failed, but you were my redeemer. I've been blessed beyond all measure. I was lost. Now all right, everybody, we are back for another episode of Demand Excellence. And before I get started, I got to give a shout out to um, online donations. Uh, Billy Dooley uh, is who I go through for online donations. And I used to do a lift-a-thon and we'd raise money and people would bring in checks. I was like, there has to be an easier way to do this. Um, you know, I, I met Billy, heard about online donation, donations, met Billy. And um, I went from raising about twenty-two dollars to $23,000 to this year. Uh, that was me doing it by myself. This year, through Billy and online donations, I'm up to uh, $37,000, trying to go for $40,000. Um, but his email is B-I-L-L-Y at online donations.us. And you can just yeah, you can email me, uh, guest.football, if you want, at gmail.com, if you got any questions. Uh, he's not giving me money. Uh, to do this, and I do not get paid for podcasts, so this is all free. Um, just trying to help people out. But, anyways, let me let me uh, let me get back to my my topic here today. I have Coach Franklin Pridgen with me. He is the head coach at Wesleyan uh, High School. Wesleyan is a single A school, single A private. Uh, me and Coach Pridgen play against each other every single year. He is a Georgia state champion. In 2008, he won the state championship. That's back when the public and privates were not split. Uh, he actually is probably a good reason why the public and privates are split. But uh, <laughs> uh, if, if you don't know Coach Pridgen, just imagine this. To me, he, he should be a five-star or four-star general. Uh, he's about six foot six. Um, he has a commanding voice, a commanding presence. And there's no doubt in my mind if there was World War III, he's a four-star general. Uh, but Coach Pridgen, uh, I appreciate you being on the show, and just take the listener through your path to, to where you are right now. Well, sure. First of all, thank you so much for having me. It's such a, a pleasure and honor to be here um, and uh, to talk with an old friend like you, Coach Guess, and um, it's just a it's a thrill for me. Um, I, uh, I I grew up in Atlanta and uh, went to Westminster uh, in, in Buckhead for high school and I played for Wayman Creel and um, football was a part of my life for a long time. And I, I don't think I was a very good football player um, between you and I. Uh, but uh, I, uh, there was something about the game that intrigued me. Um, I thought in high school that basketball was more um, my sport, but I, I participated in both and, and had the chance to do both at, in college at Washington and Lee University in Virginia, um, but but ultimately chose to pursue basketball. So it's interesting, I guess, that my own personal athletic journey was more of a basketball one than it was a football one. But um, not long before I graduated from uh, from Washington and Lee, uh, one of my mentors uh, and, and high school coaches at Westminster, uh, a guy named Mark Cadori, who's actually our athletic director here at Wesleyan now. Uh, a dear friend of mine, um, like I said, a mentor and a guide for me, and, and really a big reason that I came to Christ uh, back at the end of high school. He said to me, you know, that that he thought I should consider 
teaching and, and coaching, uh, at least, you know, right out of college. Uh, my plan was to go to law school eventually, but I needed something to do between undergrad and, and headed off to graduate school. So I, I, uh, I pursued that. I got my first job at Athens Academy working uh, for Mike Gunn, coaching uh, defensive ends and tight ends back in 1992. Uh, I stayed there for four years. I loved it. Uh, I certainly felt God's calling in my life to pull me into into teaching and coaching as a ministry. And, uh, and I kind of threw law school out the window, much to the chagrin of my parents, and uh, decided that I wanted to be a teacher and a football coach uh, for the rest of my life. Um, and, uh, and, and I was, you know, certainly mentored in the coaching world by, by Coach Gunn. And, uh, and his DC at the time was a guy named Stuart Todd, someone that I still look up to uh, so much. Uh, got married in 96, moved back to Atlanta, uh, where my wife was in graduate school at Emory. And I coached for a year under Bill Rayleigh at Lovett, the Lovett School uh, and, and learned so much uh, from him and from that staff. And, uh, and then took uh, the job at a new school up in Peace Street Corners, Georgia, in 1997, where um, they were starting a, a new campus and a new approach uh, to Christian education and um, and a football program. And so at 27, I got a chance to be a defensive coordinator working for Will Jackson when we founded the, the Wesleyan program here. Um, and, and have kind of been on this journey here in Peace Street Corners ever since. Um, with a with a brief hiatus when I stepped away from from teaching and coaching for a couple of years, but came back. But I've pretty much been at Wesleyan um, uh, since '97, and uh, eventually in in 2005, the head coach resigned, and I applied for the job, and I didn't get it. Um, and um, I'm sorry, in 2004, Will retired. I applied for the job, didn't get it, uh, and then in 2005, the the gentleman who did get it from out of state resigned abruptly. And so in 2006, I was named the head coach uh, and have just loved the journey ever since. And it's taken me to some incredible places and it's afforded me some great experiences. Uh, but, but mostly I've, I've, I've been able to um, interact with some incredible people, both players and parents and, 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 and colleagues uh, like yourself that have become friends. Uh, and, and I've just felt, very much um, pulled in in this direction of Christian coaching, coaching from a Christian perspective, um, uh, you know, utilizing my faith, growing my faith, and, and hopefully sharing it uh, through football with other people. And it, uh, uh, it's been an incredibly rewarding career, Jonathan. It really has. Well, <clears throat> one thing that people have – I don't think people understand. When, as soon as you said Washington and Lee, now I, always, I already knew that you were an extremely intelligent person. But Washington and Lee <laughs> – Washington and Lee is probably, you know, it's, it's, it's an, it's a Harvard like school. Um, you know, it's a very elite academic institution, play good football. Uh, my brother went to Davidson, so I'm, I'm yeah. well aware of Washington and Lee. It's in a beautiful area yeah, up there. For sure. Um, remember going up there and Washington play Washington and Lee and it's so pretty up there. Um, so but I think it's one thing that's interesting I find as you're talking about your path is people just assume, oh, well, Coach Pridgen just chose to go to Wesleyan. You know, it's, if you know anything about Wesleyan uh, listeners, uh, it's, this, it's just this really nice place. I always say, man, I feel sorry for the kids at Wesleyan. They're going to go to college and be disappointed. That's how nice Wesleyan is. <laughs> and, and people might think, well, 
you know, Coach Pridgen has his eyes on Wesley, and he wanted that job, that elite private school job. But that's never the case. Like, like for me, I, I never no. chose to work at Elka. Just, just it's funny how God put you at Wesleyan, and he, and you're you're a private school coach because that's how God orchestrated it. You didn't choose to be a yeah. private school coach. It's just kind of how where you got plugged in. Yeah, I, I didn't. Um, th- that's a great point. Um, you know, God very much revealed this path for me. He ordered the steps um, because there's no way with the way things unfolded, there's no way that I could have orchestrated it or any man could have orchestrated it. Um, too many things fit together. The timing was just too perfect. You know what I'm saying? And there's so many things in our lives, in my opinion, that are like that, that have to be uh, designed and, and choreographed um, uh, divinely. And, and that's the way it was at, at, at Wesleyan. Um, you know, I, I wasn't, I, I didn't, I didn't approach Wesleyan. They, they approached me, uh, back in 1997, the headmaster, Zach Young, I'd known, uh, at Westminster. And, and, um, and so he approached me about, about joining his administrative team, uh, at the, the new school called Wesleyan and, um, joining Will Jackson on the, on the brand new football staff. And, Believe me, there there were challenges everywhere. Uh, there was lots of adversity. There was lots of questions and uncertainty and doubt. Uh, but you know, God worked miracles up at at our school in this community and the lives of the people around us. And uh, you know, I mean, it, it t- has taken it to to incredible heights. Uh, and I have felt very much at peace here ever since. Uh, I have grown. Spiritually, I, I have uh, felt myself, uh, you know, called to, to play a role in the development of young people, mind, body, and spirit. And, um, and you know, I, I remember those early days, and now I look, and, I mean, this weekend, my oldest son graduates from Wesleyan in, in two days. That's going to be a, a powerful experience, you know, in my own personal journey and the journey of my family at Wesleyan. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it wasn't like I, I – saw Wesley and posted a job and I, I, you know, jumped on the, you know, football scoop or whatever and right. <laughs> tried to grab it. But, uh, it's, uh, like you said, it, it you know, it, it was a calling and, and, uh, these steps were ordered and, uh, I feel like I'm where I'm supposed to be. You know, and, and what's interesting to me is, is, and there's, there's coaches out there who, who listen to this podcast and they might be starting up at a new school what you did was risky. Like I know Wesley and what it is now. And and to me, it's like the Harvard of high school football and high school academics. And that's what I view it as. Um, but it wasn't that, I mean, it was nothing when you took the job to go over there. I think you said you started in 97 there, but it was nothing. Right. right? I mean, it was just an idea and it could have flopped. It was, no, uh, it it could have, and in fact, if if I remember my history about this property uh, prior to Wesleyan's arrival, there was another school that tried to to build here, and it did flop. Uh, so, um, you know, there's a there's a story that's long and involved here uh, that we hear that we're we're told from time to time called the miracle of Wesleyan speech, and um, it was it was a miracle. It was a a group of people that we're looking for a place to put a school and a group of people that had land on which they wanted to put a school. And those people got together. Um, but when I got here, there was, there was one paved road. There was one permanent building. Uh, we had a field, but no stadium and no field house. Uh, you know, in that first season, 
the press box was the top of a big dirt mound. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. you had to bring your own, you had to bring your own tailgate chairs. It was like being at, at a, at a, at a rec game. Um, yeah, everything there, there were, there were trailers everywhere and, um, uh, but there was a dream and there was a, and there was a, a, a vision and there was a, a faithfulness, Jonathan, in, in what God, uh, could create. And, um, and I think that's what sustained Wesleyan and drove it forward in those early years. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of reminded of, I was reading this article, Dabo Sweeney article last night, and, you know, the, the ESPN writer said, you know, don't you think it's a little bit crazy that you make $9 million a year? And he, he kind of defended it a little bit, and he said, you know, well, it's, it's, it's what the market commands, which, which is right. You know, sure. we, we, we both believe in probably a free market economy. It is what it is. Um, and he said, but I was making $400 a month at the beginning of my career. And, and it's like, people don't see that. You know, we just want right. to be jealous of the end product, but we don't see the trials and the grind and, and the failures yeah. of, of sure. 1997, you know? Yeah. And the risks, um, you know, uh, the, it, it's it, any time that you're pursuing a vision that other people can't see, um, it's risky because, uh, you don't know what's coming next. You believe in the final product, you believe in the outcome and, and, and that's where the faithfulness piece comes in. But then you've got to communicate and inspire that vision, uh, to other people. So they'll join you. And, um, you know, you got to get, you got to get people to follow you. And, uh, and that's what, what, you know, the, the, the early leaders at Wesleyan did a great job of. And I think that's, what we certainly tried to do from a football standpoint in those early years is we were building a program from, from nothing. And, and I credit Will Jackson with that. Uh, and I was honored to be, uh, you have a front row seat as that unfolded. But uh, yeah, there was lots of risk. There was lots of uh, uncertainty and, and doubt. Um, but we, uh, we soothed that with, with constant prayer and, and with constant um, time spent, in, in God's word. Um, and we believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that he had a plan to, to make this place a, a beacon for authentic Christian education in, uh, in our area. And, uh, and, and, you know, at least from where I sit, uh, I feel like that God made good on that promise. Absolutely. So, you know, all right. So speaking, speak to this, cause I know a lot of coaches are in this situation, 2004, the head coach resigns. Now, You've been there since 1997. I mean, you're, you're sitting there like you're one of the core guys. And then 2004, the head coach resigns. You apply for the job. You don't get it. But yeah. you stay on and right. work for the guy that they hired. Talk about a little bit about the conflict that you might have faced there, the frustration, the disappointment, but how you pulled yourself together and went yeah. ahead and did what, did what was best for uh, Wesleyan. Well, uh, you know, I, I don't, I, I got to, I got to be honest with you. I don't know if it was best for Wesleyan when I decided to stay after I, I got passed over. I, I, I really did what I thought was best for my young family at the time. Um, we had, uh, you know, that was 2004. We had two children and a third on the way at that time. And my wife uh, was a, a physical therapist uh, early in her practice. So, um, you know, there were plenty of times where me and there was, I mean, there were three of us on the staff. Jonathan that, that applied for that job in 2004 when Will Jackson um, retired and uh, 
none of us got the job. And, and we had, we, we, we felt like, I mean, the three of us were close and, and we felt like that, you know, if any one of the three got the job, then, then we would certainly involve the other two in major roles, uh, in the program. And, and so we were, honestly, we got a little, I don't know, it was got complacent or, um, or what, but we became overconfident that one of the three of us would get the job. The, the, the school hired someone from outside the school and outside the state, uh, and those other two guys then went on, understandably, to pursue jobs elsewhere um, successfully. Uh, I just, I, 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 it, that's one of the risks. I mean, I, I decided to stay. I, I didn't know what that meant for my career. I didn't know, um, you know, what that meant for me personally. Uh, I, I, I struggled with that. And, um, and, and I, I, I told God that in, in my quiet times with him. I didn't know what he intended here. So when the new coach came in 2005, he started uh, he started interviewing for defensive coordinator candidates, and, and then I applied for that. So I didn't get the head job. So then I applied for the DC job with the new guy, um, and I didn't get that either. <laughs> oh, man. So I mean, it was uh, it was unbelievable. Just I just kept you know looking heavenward, going, okay, so am I supposed to go sell insurance now? Right. Um, I, I just I didn't know. Uh, but you know, I, I think that's where faith comes in. Um, and, and that's where my faith was tested. You know, just how serious am I about my commitment to God's will and not my will? Uh, just how serious am I, uh, and, and how trusting am I that, that he knows better what's right for me than I do. And, um, and so I prayed about it fervently and my wife did, and we prayed together, um, over the situation and we decided to stay and I coached defensive line and uh, I did the best job that I could and, and I tried to be the best most positive uh, staff member that I could I did the last thing in the world I wanted to do to be to become was that irritable uh, sort of undermining cancer in the uh, on the staff and and you know we've all been in this business long enough that you know you know the kind of person I'm talking about Right. Um, I didn't want to be that guy. Uh, I didn't want to be resentful. I didn't want to resent the new guy. I didn't want to resent uh, the people that had chosen someone over me. Uh, I just wanted to love the love kids, and I just wanted to, to to continue to push forward and do the best job I could in the role that I had at that time. And then, right after our 2005 season, the the, the new coach from out of state um, abruptly and unexpectedly announced that he was leaving. And you know, in the school business, you know, you, you, you don't just give your two weeks notice <laughs> and then right. go. Right. Um, I mean, you, you're under contract for a semester or for a school year. Um, and so he abruptly broke his contract and, and left. Um, and I think the school was spinning a little bit. I think, I think that caught a lot of people, myself included, completely unaware. And, uh, and I was approached by our headmaster at the time, and, and he asked me, you know, would I be interested in the job? Um, this was a year after I'd applied for it and, and uh, been turned down. I told him I would. Uh, he communicated his confidence in me, and uh, I just we sort of took it from there. Uh, and I appreciate the opportunity that that he gave me and the the confidence that he showed and um, and offering that position to me. But I was terrified and excited at the same time. But mostly, I was just incredibly humbled because that's that's when I least expected it. That's when I, I saw, 
you know, God kind of shrugging his shoulders back at me saying, I told you to be faithful. I told you to wait around. I told you to be patient. Um, and, and things unfolded. And that was a, it was a great moment in, in my relationship with, with Christ um, to see his plan unfold for me. It was very gratifying. I think, you know, when I think about, uh, I, I know who they hired in 2004, and I know why he would take the job, and I know where he was, um, and, and they were a national power. Um, sure. And what, what, what I think the outsider looking in at Wesleyan, if you don't know anything about Wesleyan, you look at it and you're like, this is high school football heaven on earth. I can come here and I can make this thing a national power because you just look at all the amazing buildings and the resources and all that kind of stuff. But right. I think what the outsider does not understand, the first mission of Wesleyan is Jesus Christ. And that can Amen. be highly frustrating for an outsider <laughs> football coach yeah. that comes in right. and I'm going to turn this thing into a national power, but there's this huge roadblock. Hey, but you're not going to, we're going to do it for the glory of, of God and, and we're going to serve him. And that, that's hard for a coach. So he goes, yeah. and I, I think that's, that's where a coach, you know, like coaches out there, they want to be head coaches, but they have to, we have to be very careful that the school my mission and the school's mission coexist. And that's why you were the perfect guy for Wesleyan. You were there. You understood the mission. You are the mission. That's, that's your life's mission. And that's why he didn't mesh and you did mesh. Um, I, I think so. Uh, I know that, that, you know, he brought with him a great football resume and, and he was a great football mind. Um, but, uh, you know, there was just a, a you know, I, I don't know. I mean, philosophical, um, you know, just two different schools of thought at work there. Um, I do know that that when he decided to leave, it it shook Wesleyan to its foundation a little bit uh, because the football job here, and I imagine anywhere, uh, certainly where you are, and 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 at most schools in the state, the football job is a pretty high profile one, and. Um, and if a if a coach abruptly leaves, particularly when it's totally unexpected, um, that shakes people. And uh, I I could I had the luxury, and I hope that everybody listening to this can find this opportunity or 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 gets to experience this in their own spiritual walk someday. I had the luxury of seeing of hindsight and retrospect and seeing. Okay, now I get why I had to go through what I went through to get to this place. Now I see the light at the end of the tunnel, the the end of the rainbow, so to speak. Now I see what the struggle was for and, and why I needed to be patient and why, you know, I needed to be prayerful and, and compliant to the will of God, because this is, this is what he had in mind for me. Uh, and, and that was incredibly validating from a spiritual standpoint for me, Jonathan, to, to we've talked about this, you know, on the field before to, to see the fruits of your labor unfold, uh, and, and to see the hand of God working in my life, um, was, was inspiring to say the least. And, um, you know, I love Wesleyan. I love what Wesleyan stands for, but you're right. We do things the, 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 the there's a way here. In fact, we call it the Wesleyan way. Um, you know, we, uh, and it's frustrating sometimes, uh, because, it's not a football factory. 
and we don't want to be. And um, we, 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 we don't want to win at all costs. And by that, I mean, um, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to forfeit our integrity. Uh, we're not going to sell our soul. Um, we're, we want to do everything we can to, to be as successful on the scoreboard as we possibly can be, but we, we do want to do it the right way. Um, and, and I, I believe that we've been, been blessed by that approach, although it's not easy. Right. So, <clears throat> all right. So you got the head coaching job in 2007 yeah. and then boom, you win the state championship in 2008. And I know uh, from my experience, that's a challenging thing because when you win a state championship a little bit, it becomes kind of your identity, which we know is sin, but it, but it doesn't matter. We're sinful people. Right. Um, right. And, and so now, okay, I've won a state championship. I'm supposed to win a state championship. That's who I am. Talk right. a little bit about the, the, the struggles of winning a state championship in 2008. And then like, just kind of, um, I guess speak to your identity in Christ and then your identity as a football coach, the trials and the struggles you had a little bit uh, with all of that. I mean, and, and you can go into how you won a state championship and then what you've done afterwards, but just speak to that a little bit. Sure. Well, I mean, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, winning a state football championship, I imagine is, you know, similar to doing it in any other sport, but, but I, I can only speak to football. Um, everything has to go your way. You know, I'm preaching to the choir on this. I realize that everything has to go your way from, uh, you know, the way that the playoff brackets unfold to the way your region competition unfolds to the way your, you know, injuries you avoid, um, you know, players have to develop, um, have to emerge, uh, at right, just the right spot at right, just the right time. So everything has to kind of, kind of, you know, come together, um, in, in just beautiful harmony in order for, uh, any team to, to, to win, uh, you know, a championship. Uh, and that certainly happened for us in 2008. It was not expected. Um, you know, we had, uh, we had, uh, kids at vital positions that stepped up, uh, at quarterback, at tailback, uh, at the line of scrimmage, um, on defense. We had coaches that, that, that really took their game, you know, our mutual friend, Brad Diem, uh, whom we both love dearly, uh, you know, was instrumental in our success as offensive coordinator that year, uh, for instance. So we had, you know, lots of, of things came together for us at just the right time. And, and it was one of the greatest feelings of my life and I'll never forget it. And I'd like to do it again. Um, but, uh, you're so right. The, the years after in, in 2009, when we, you know, started the season as the number one team in the state and, we were undefeated for, for almost the whole season. And then at the very end, I, it was like the quarterfinals or the semifinals, you know, our, our quarterback, uh, Connor Welton hurt his knee and, um, kind of took the wind out of our sails. And uh, we ran into a really, really good team and Nick Marshall and Wilcox County. You remember those guys? Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and, and they, and they beat us, uh, in, in the, I think they beat us in the quarters of the semis that year. That was 09. And, and I thought no, we had 09, a pretty good the team 09 there. The 09 team was probably better than the 08 team. With, with, I with think it probably was. The quarterback guy. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and Wilcox was really good. They went on to win it all that year. And, and Nick Marshall was Nick Marshall. I mean, you know, if, if you know anything about 
Southern football or, or state of Georgia football, you know that Nick Marshall was was just phenomenal. Um, he made Gus Malzahn real he, good at Auburn too. He did. He made he made <laughs> the, the Tigers look pretty good. Uh, you know, it, in 2010 we came back. We, we were also very good, um, and uh, you know we had a kid you know anchoring our line of scrimmage named David Andrews, who's a two-time Super Bowl champion today for the New England Patriots. So, and we had good players all over the place. Kyle Karimpoulos was our, our record-holding tailback. And, um, you know, guys that went on to play at Georgia and, and, and Baylor and all these other places. Uh, and we, we, we avenged the loss in 2010. We avenged the 9 loss to Wilcox County when we beat Nick Marshall in the quarters of the semis. It was almost a carbon copy of, of the 2009 season, except we won this time. And, and then we, we, uh, we lost a heartbreaker to Savannah Christian the year they won it. So, you know, we were, we we were we were contending. I mean, as as you guys were on the other side of the bracket, we we were contending in those years, and we felt like that we were among the elite programs in the state. Uh, but you know, we continued to do what we had always done. Uh, but uh, when you have, you know, a class of sophomores in 2008 that wins a state championship and then they're juniors in 2009 and they come really close and then as seniors they come really close again in 2010 and then they graduate you know what was what was happening was that that some of those classes behind them were and this was my mistake strategically they were they were unintentionally neglected I think um and so we had a we had a pretty significant drop off it was unavoidable um in in 2011 and then you know in heck, in, in 2013, Jonathan, we were two and nine. Yeah. And that gets forgotten, but I'm not forgetting it. But we poured as a staff as much into that season at two and nine as we did in 2008, 2009, and 2010 when we were winning 12 and 13 games. Um, and, and I think that's so important for, for any head coach or any, any staff member to, to realize that, that sometimes – you know, what you pour into your team doesn't show up on the scoreboard. But it's the quality of the relationships that you build. It's using the intangible potential of this game to touch people's lives, to reveal character, to build courage and perseverance. You know, those guys that, that, that we, we coached in 2013 um, are as important to us as those guys that, that we won a ring with in, in 08. And, and I actually, I was telling somebody the other day, I, I, I feel like that, that 2013 where we, you know, we had lots of challenges on the field, but our team never came apart. We never, we never, you know, went after each other in the locker room or anything like that. There weren't a lot of finger pointing. Um, there wasn't dissension in the ranks or anything like that. I'm as proud of that coaching job, uh, in, in a sense as I was in, in 2008. And, and that's a really it took me a while to get to that point, but, but, you know, that's just my, my maturation process as a coach to understand that, you know, you can pour your heart and soul into a team. And sometimes because of one thing or another, like I said, sometimes those breaks that went your way when you win it all, maybe they go against you one year, you know, you, we've all had seasons like that. And, uh, and that certainly helped. That's certainly what was our case in 2013. Um, and we've come back since then, and 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 I feel like that we're we're stronger now uh, because of that experience. But but you know here at Wesleyan, I've had the I've had the 
benefit of both extremes in my experience, you know, the winning it all and also being, you know, two and eight and, and knowing what that's like. And I guess my point is I didn't coach any harder in 2008 when we won it all than I did in 2013 and no, nor did anybody on our staff. Um, and that's why to me, our character development program here at Wesleyan, which is affiliated with a, a, a national organization called building men for others, uh, a Christ centered character development program is so important because winning just can't be your God. And you talked about identity and, and I, I'm a, you know, I'm a sinner and I'm a, I'm a prideful person. And, um, when we won it all, I thought that meant that I was a winner and that I would always be a winner. So by that logic, does that mean in 2013 that I was a loser? You know, I, I just didn't feel like that's what God's intent was for me. Um, and so it, it just basically reinforced my belief that winning can never be our God, um, that Jesus is our God. And as long as you keep the main thing, the main thing, the scoreboard takes care of itself. And, and I don't worship at the altar of the scoreboard. Uh, that's not who we are here at Wesleyan. Um, and, and winning, while super important, and, and we certainly work really, really hard to win as much as we can, um, it can never be the end-all, be-all uh, determiner or, um, authority on, you know, my success, uh, because I've just, you know, when I gave my life to Christ, I became a new creation and the old was gone and the new had come. And the new was about the, the relationships and about the ministry and about the discipleship and about advancing God's kingdom on earth, not about how many games did you win and, you know, your kids overachieved or they underachieved or I'm happy for you when you win and I'm mad at you when you lose. That's just so superficial, Jonathan. You know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. And to me, uh, to me that, that, that just foregoes the, the, the potential that this game has, that football has, which is so unique, the potential for reaching into young men's lives and touching them in the name of Jesus, which is why I think that, that football is such an incredible ministry and uh, and just such a fertile field in which God can really take root in the lives of these young men. Um, and that's been our focus here. Uh, while winning remains very important, it can just never be our God. And it can never be our top priority. Well, I think about, you know, people don't understand this when they look at being a head coach, if they've never been a head coach. And then some head coaches don't even understand this. But you know, we look at Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney like they're like they're these football geniuses, and there's no doubt. I mean, they're 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 very important people, and they're very talented at what they do. But there's a reason why you win, you know. And and bottom line is, as Clemson recruit has recruited better, they've won more. And and Nick Saban, uh, as he's as he's gotten the number one recruiting class year after year after year, he's won national championships. Sure. You know, you went two and nine when you were at Wesleyan in 2013. This is the year after, correct me if I'm wrong, but you got moved up to double A. And um, am I right or wrong? Yeah, uh, we went up in 2012 um, and we were four and seven. And then we the next year we were we were two and nine. Yeah, we See were in one people? of those little bitty, you know, one of those little bitty regions where 
there's five teams. You win one region game, and you're in the playoffs, even at, well, at two and eight in the regular season. <laughs> you're sitting there with 400 or 450 students in high school having to compete with the Lovitz and the GACs. They're all 650 to, or 700 or more, and you're competing with those schools in a region, and then you're competing with, with schools with 700, 800, uh, 600, 700 students in high school to try to win football games. It's just not a competitive uh, – there's no competitive – you have no competitive competitive advantage. And even though you did right. go on to, to compete with those guys year in and year out, when you don't have the same numbers as, as, as a school has and they have 150 more boys in their school to choose from, it's just really hard to compete whether you're a good coach or a bad coach. Well, I mean, that's true. The, the landscape of, of high school football at that time – was not in our favor. Um, and, and football is a game where, uh, it's not like other sports where one or two more players will, will, you know, can make or break a season. I mean, if you're, you know, like I said, I've got a basketball background also. And I know that if you get one more player on your team, when five are on the floor at a time, wow, that can make a huge difference. Right. And, and in fact, that can, that can turn an entire season and program around. So you're saying but Zion football, Williamson had a big impact on Duke? <laughs> yeah, it's just a little bit. Um, you know, uh, he had a big impact on those Nikes he was wearing that night. He blew out his shoe. That's too. right. Um, uh, I think he'd be a great football player too, by the way, as an aside. No That's doubt. Another conversation. No but, doubt. Um, you know, the, the, the landscape of, of, of high school football at the time certainly worked against us. We were, we were subject to a, a big multiplier. Um, we were the smallest school in class AA at the time. Uh, like the smallest, and uh, and that is not where you want to be, because um, football is just not not like basketball or baseball, or where one more player can turn everything around. It's just too much of a team game. You got eleven guys on the field on your side, um, but if you've got like you said, 150 more boys in your school than your opponent does, well, the law of averages said that out of you know, it, if you just get 10 percent of that 150 to come out and to play football, you got 15 more players and the chance that five of them could be impactful are pretty good. So, uh, you know, it was a strategic disadvantage. Uh, it, it, it hurt us. It was really difficult um, to, to, to see that happen to, to what, you know, we thought was a, was a, you know, proud and elite program to, to then, you know, in, in 2012 and 2013 to, to struggle, but it wasn't because our kids cared any less. And it wasn't because, um, you know, uh, God turned his back on our program or anything like that. You know, uh, we're not, we're not big believers in the prosperity gospel or anything like that. You know, it, it was, it was just, uh, a means to an end. It was a situation beyond our control. Um, call it political, call it, you know, social, whatever it was, you know, it, it just, it just was what it was. And we had to deal with it. And, and, you know, our kids met those years of adversity with, with tremendous class and courage and determination. And, you know, the, the sophomores and freshmen that we were, we were playing with largely in, in 2012 and 13, you know, they're the ones that, that in 14, 15, and later even in 16 were competing for region championships and you know we we lost in 2015 a heartbreaker to uh gac in double a 
at their place to a uh, in the region finals, um, like you know thirty five thirty one or something on the last play of the game. Right. You know they they hit a big pass play, and those are the same kids. You know, so how can in two thousand thirteen, you know those guys are are struggling, but in two thousand fifteen, just two years later, they're you know we were we were nine and three or ten and three or something like that. Uh, and and finished second in the in, in the region and uh, tied for it and uh, uh, you know top ten state ranking and all those things and and it, it that it's just the ups and downs at, at maybe it's you know a place like Wesleyan and in our competitive market here where we are and uh, it's it's the ups and downs and and, and those things happen you know it, it ebbs and flows that's why I need something more consistent to base. Um, to base my approach on, uh, to base my professional and personal life on. And, the, and what's consistent then is, is, is the rock of Jesus Christ, um, that he is the same, um, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Um, and, and that's why I, I just can't get into between you and I, the, you know, Oh, how many games are we going to win? And, you know, uh, all that kind of thing that, that, that can never be in, in my heart, I just won't ever allow that to be the measure of my worth or, or the defining force in my identity. Um, you know, Jesus defines who I am and, and, and his sacrifice on the cross defines who I am uh, as a, as a redeemed sinner, not, well, did you win the region last year and how far in the playoffs did you go? And, you know, I'm going to pour my heart and soul in, into trying to win games, you know? Um, but at the end of the day, I don't want my children at home. I don't want my wife. I don't want our players in the locker room to think, well, you know, coach's love for us is conditional. Dad's love for us is conditional. It's all conditional on my performance or a scoreboard or how much I win uh, because that is not the model, the model of Christ. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, I'm sitting here thinking as you're talking, it's so true, but it's it's so true for anybody that listens to this. You know, like like a pastor, their identity is they, they, they get together and they talk about how many people are in your church or how many people are in your church or a youth. I was talking to our youth exactly. pastor the other day, and he's like, don't you just hate it when people try to one-up you? You know, I had a so yeah. another youth pastor had asked him, how many people you got signed up, signed up for summer youth camp? And he's like, ah, 50. He's like, yeah, we got 150. <laughs> and um, Oh, wow. Who cares, man? Well, Jesus must love that guy more than he loves the other guy. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, but it's what we do, and that's our sinful flesh, and it's just something that we have to die to constantly because at the end of the day, you know, uh, I, I think about us, and, and yeah, we, we win games, but it's because we have talented football players. Um, but what? But probably the thing that hurts me most is kids that can win a state championship in high school, but they go to college and they flop. And uh, they're not yeah. successful. And so at the end of the day, you know, I look at it as, well, we weren't successful. You know, it doesn't because the trophies don't matter. The rings don't matter. As you know, they mean absolutely right. nothing. The only value that we have is the investment. Well, obviously, Jesus Christ, but the investment that we pour into these boys on a daily basis and their success. Really, they're our trophy. Exactly. Um, and they're our legacy. And you know, our success in that process uh, beyond winning is tied to, to the men, to the, to, the, uh, uh, to the husbands and the fathers that, that they become uh, and how they conduct themselves professionally. 
um, I, I'm with you. That's exactly right. And, you know, uh, it's been said by several people, uh, and I, I didn't, this is not my quote. I'm just repeating it. In fact, I've heard Ed Dudley, you know, our, our mutual friend say it before, you know, somebody comes up, he says, well, you know, what kind of team are we going to have next year? And, uh, you know, well, ask me in 20 years and I'll tell you, you know, see how these young men on our team today, how do they develop and emerge into, into great men of God, hopefully in, in, in 20 years when they're husbands and when they're fathers. And, and that's when we can really, you know, sit on the, on the front porch and say, you know, by the grace of God, we did it right. That's right. Yeah. That's a weekly conversation with my dad. How y'all looking? How y'all looking? I'm like, can you stop yeah. asking that question? Yeah. <laughs> I get it all the time. I mean, <laughs> Go yeah, ahead. Right. That's hilarious. I mean, that happens when, you know, around here, my wife and I go out to dinner or whatever, and, you know, how's the football team looking? You know, somebody will, will run into asks and, you know, well, you know, we're going to go out there and we're going to do the best we can. We've got a lot of great kids and a lot of great players and, and I hope things come together for us. But in my mind, I want to say, um, you know what, they're going to go do their best and they're going to be really successful um, in their effort and their attitude. And I hope that means we win a bunch of games. Um, but I really, really hope that the lessons that they learn playing in our football program uh, that are inspired by God, I hope that that helps them maintain godly relationships when they're grown to be great husbands and great fathers and great servants of the, of the kingdom. So um, that's usually more of an answer than somebody really wants. They just want to know, you know, <laughs> yeah, we're going to be able to score some points or whatever. I but uh, that's say, always hey. in the back of my mind. Ask me in ask me in October, man. You know, it's just that's that's a good answer. I'll need to use that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have no idea. Um, uh, but so anyway, coach, I could talk to you all day. Um, so I got a, um, I get different feedback from different people. My dad says anything over fifteen minutes. I'm like, Dad, uh, what do you have to do? You're retired. Like, you should be able to listen <laughs> yeah. to two hour podcasts. But, um, you know, I'm like, ah, well, I've man, been long winded. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, you got dude, me talking. I'm long, you know. man, no, this is great, man. Like the way I look at it is if, if, hey, if they get bored, they can turn it off. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't, we don't have any sponsors or anything tell, giving us rules, but, um, right, I do, I do want right. to ask this. I always do this and, because really uh, another reason why I started this podcast is, is for the young coaches out there and try to give them a resource, a godly resource in coaching and, um, and, and I think a lot of young guys listen to this. What, so what advice would you give a 23, 24, 25, maybe two things don't have to be long, uh, that you think that you wish you'd have known back when you were 23, 24, 25? Um, a, a couple of things. Um, you know, that's, that's a great question. Um, first of all, I would say, know what you believe, um, and stick to it. Have, have, be able to articulate your core values um, you know, why you're in this business, what you want to get out of this business, what you think you can achieve in this business. Um, you know, what are, what, what, what's your, your personal mission statement? You know, what's, what is it that you believe in? What are your priorities? What are your non-negotiables, um, about who you are as an individual? Uh, second, I would say, then look for a, a football program that, that mirrors those core values and that's a place you want to be, even if you have to get in at the, at the bottom um, and work your way up. Uh, you know, I just think it's so important. You know, in my own experience, the lesson that I had was, you know, 
just because you, you know, I, I, I was young and ambitious and, and wanted everything and I wanted it right now. And it didn't come that quickly for me. You know, I had to be, had to be patient and then I had to trust in God as we talked about earlier. And I would say that, that to a young coach, if you have a chance to find a program that reflects exactly who you are and what you want to be and what you believe, and you have a chance to join that as, as you know, the lowest guy on the totem pole, um, you know, take it because you're part of, of, of an organization that you believe in, an organization that in a program that reflects who you are and then work your way up. Be patient. Don't, don't always go after the first job that you can get. That's the next, you know, promotion or the next step up the ladder. You know, I think we have a lot of young coaches that feel like they got to do a lot of job hopping, you know what I'm saying? From, you know, one place to another really young, really early in their career. Right. I, I would, I would preach patience and what's important is not the job, it's the program. You know, are you part of something that mirrors who you want to be, that reflects your core values? And if you are, then your role within that program, you can always find, you know, there's always going to be opportunity. There's always going to be, you know, somebody leaves and you have a chance to take a step up. But, but I think the most important thing is to find that, that school, that, that program um, that reflects your core values rather than, oh, I can go be the OC there or the DC there, or I can go get a head coaching job there. You know, sometimes you don't always want the jobs that you can get. Um, I would just pre- preach patience and, and uh, the value of a good program over the perfect job. Agreed. Well, um, Coach, man, it was it was a blast. It was good. Um, been taking notes Great. from everything that you said. I know it's going to be very valuable for people out there. Um, I always, I always end praying, and, and if you don't mind, I'd like to pray for you, and, and we'll and we'll wrap it up. I'd love that. Let's do it. Yes, sir. Lord, we come before you today. Just want to praise and thank you for loving us, Lord. First and foremost, Lord, we praise, we praise and thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins, so that we may have eternal life. And we praise and thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord, that opens up our eyes and our hearts to your truth, Lord, and and, and comes and lives inside of us, so that we can be transformed creatures that that we, as Coach said, that we can be new creatures in Jesus Christ and do things uh, the right way, Lord. And as Coach talked about, that our identity is transformed and it's no longer about uh, worldly victories and successes, but it is about building men for Jesus Christ and representing you and shining as a light for you. And Lord, I just pray for Coach Pridgen and what he's doing there at Wesleyan, Lord, that you would just be with him and continue to keep uh, continue to strengthen him and uh, by the power of your Holy Spirit. And I know this weekend is a special weekend for him as, as his son is graduating. I just pray you be with him. And Lord, we pray for his son as he goes forward uh, into college, Lord. And I know that many sacrifices have been made for him by Coach Pridgen and his wife to, to keep him there at Wesleyan and to put him in a good situation, Lord, and to preach him the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray as he goes and goes to college, Lord, that that, that faith, uh, that he's been taught would become who he is and your Holy Spirit would just lead and guide him, uh, Lord. And I just pray that for Coach Pridge in the summer and, and next football season, if he leads and guides a new group of young men, uh, just be with him. And, and, and like he said, let's keep the main thing the main thing, and, and that's Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Coach. Amen. Thanks for this opportunity, buddy. Love yes, you, man. Sir. It's great to talk to you. Yes, sir. Love you, too. See ya. See ya.
I was blind, now I'm seeing in color. I was dead, now I'm living forever. I had failed, but you were my redeemer. I've been blessed beyond all measure. I was lost, now I'm found by the Father. I've been changed from a ruin to treasure. I've been given a hope and a future. Oh, you are good to me. 
now Time. 